Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Hey guys, and we're back for another week of Tis the Podcast, the podcast dedicated to keeping the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year. I'm Julia. I'm Anthony. And I'm Tom. So can I start out tonight by first thanking you, Julia, for the amazing gifts you sent for Christmas? I agree. You're welcome. (laughs) So for our listeners, I don't know what she got you, Tom, but she got me and. Mr. Norwal shirt from Elf that says, bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. <laughs> and uh, she got me a Michael Scott, that's what she said, sticker. <laughs> and uh, she wrote a beautiful card. But I just want to say something about the sticker because <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> so prior to receiving this sticker in the mail, I only had two stickers on my laptop. And uh, one was the Tis the Podcast logo. <laughs> and the other is a uh, it's a sticker it's an Elizabeth Warren sticker that says nevertheless she persisted and the only free space on my laptop for that's what she said is right next to it so when you're looking at my laptop from behind <laughs> it says nevertheless she persisted and it's just Michael Scott's face that's what she said <laughs> that gives a new meaning to that doesn't it <laughs> I love it. I love it. So thank you so much, Julia. You're welcome. It was fun to find. I got an awesome shirt that celebrates a true uh, Pennsylvania Dutch Christmas and a a little uh, sticker. I'll take a picture of it and share it tomorrow. A sticker of uh, Dwight, like a cartoon Dwight dressed as Belschnickel that says impish. That's amazing. It uh, was fun. You guys are fun to shop for. <laughs> I do have to ask, was the toothpaste to throw us off the scent? Absolutely. I, I honestly had no idea what to expect when with the toothpaste. <laughs> I didn't either. I was a little, I was really, the toothpaste was a good, was a good throw, threw me off well. We'll, we'll get all toothpaste right. in the mail from Julia, like before we all hang out in person. Better That's safe fun. than sorry. <laughs> Julie and I hung out in person, so you're behind now, Anthony. And I, re- I embarrassed her daughter, just so you know. <laughs> it doesn't take much to embarrass my daughter. I really, feel like just Tom just wants to embarrass everyone. I really yeah. do like. I really do like toying with teenage kids. It's just so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> she, um, she's not a fan of attention, so Tom heaped tons of it on her shoulders. <laughs> she, she looks <laughs> like you, Julie. She does. She does. Finally, I get a kid that looks like me. And all the other ones look like Marty. Well, speaking of offspring and how much we love them and how weird they are. That was the best transition <laughs> ever. A, yeah, you like that transition? Um, so tonight we are covering 2006's The Nativity Story. Um, it's the second time we've covered a non-Santa type Christmas movie, so I'm pretty excited about it. Anthony, do the you want to The third time, it? actually. What was the... The star, and then we had that Kirk not religious at Kirk all, even though he pretended oh, it Oh, we can't yep. count that. <laughs> that movie has Santa in it. Oh, yeah, true. Anthony, you want to give us a quick synopsis? Absolutely. A drama that focuses on the period in Mary and Joseph's life where they journeyed to Bethlehem for the birth of Jesus. So my history, I never heard this story before. <laughs> Catholic education. (laughs) (laughs) Funny that you went there because my big complaint starting out was going to be, I feel like this has been done. I've heard the story a million times. It (laughs) it was not creative. (laughs) So my history with this movie? Yeah, what's your history of the movie? Um, I remember seeing the trailer when it first came out and thinking it looked super low budget Mm. and that's correct because you watch i watched that trailer again after seeing this movie and it looked awful so i never saw it 
I, I've, I've seen bits and pieces of it before, but never sat down and watched it in full until yesterday afternoon. And uh, I really enjoyed it. All right. That's I totally agree with that. The Short, trailer the trailer was terrible. Trailer was really bad. What about you, Tom? What's your history with the movie? Um, I saw the trailer and I saw a young Joseph and I decided I wasn't going to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it today. All right. And mine's kind of the same as yours, Anthony. I remember seeing the trailer and then I feel like I've seen bits and pieces of it on TV in the past few years. But as far as viewing it in its entirety... I did previous to Monday at some point, but I don't remember it well enough. So Monday is my most recent and best viewing of this movie. So let's get into the credits real fast. It has some interesting credits. Um, Again, this movie came out in 2006, directed by Catherine Hardwicky, who is most famous for the first installment of the Twilight series. Um, I would argue the best. Acting definitely not up to par in the movie, but the movie itself I always thought was beautiful. Um, I think she's known for her cinematography and her flair for beautiful movies. Um, She's also done Red Riding Hood, which I've never seen, and then Miss You Already as well. Most recently, though, and I thought this was interesting because I know we have at least one This Is Us fan. I think all of us like This Is Us, right? Mm -hmm. She did the Thanksgiving episode of This Is Us, the most recent Thanksgiving episode. I did not see it, so no okay, I'm going to say about, I'm going to disagree with you about Twilight, Julia. I Because it had no Michael Sheen, and Michael Sheen was the best part about that franchise. So I'm going to disagree <laughs> and say it was the best of the movies. His over-the-top hamminess is the only watchable thing, in my mind. I know a lot of people like this movie. <laughs> he was over-the-top hammy. Movies written by Mike Rich, um, who's known for Radio, Secretariat, The Rookie, and Finding Forrester. All good movies. I mean, these are not bad movies. I love The Rookie, but I'm a huge Dennis Quaid fan because he's from Texas. What's Finding Forrester? He is? Yeah. Wow. Did not know. But what's Finding Forrester? Uh, Finding Forrester is with, yeah, it's got Sean Connery in it. I think he was a writer. Sean um, a young writer prodigy finds a mentor in a reclusive author. So it's Sean Connery and then huh, cool. Buster Rhymes is in it. But <laughs> Sean Connery. Can't be How did Buster Rhymes get into a movie with Sean Connery? How did the crappy song like Christmas and Hollis end up an amazing movie like Die Hard? <laughs> Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) We're here to talk about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, guys. (laughs) Let's not argue over an amazing Christmas song like that. (laughs) All right. I'm only going to cover kind of the people we know in the story um, as far as the actors go. Uh, So Mary was played by Keisha Castle Hughes, who's known for Whale Rider, Game of Thrones most recently, but she was also the Queen of Naboo in Star Wars 3. She's an Australian actress. She doesn't do a whole lot of um, what we would call domestic here in the United States. Um, Interesting tidbit about her. She was 16 when they filmed this movie. She was actually pregnant, found out she was pregnant while they were filming this movie with her boyfriend's baby. And so it was a little ironic that she was playing a young unmarried pregnant lady while she was also a young unmarried pregnant lady. I love method actors. Slightly different circumstances. A little bit different. Yeah. Still pregnant. (laughs) Still pregnant. Still pregnant. (laughs) Oscar Isaacs plays Joseph. We know him most recently as Poe Dameron from the new Star Wars reboots. Um, but he was also in Ex Machina. He was the villain in X-Men Apocalypse. And apparently there's some a- Adams Family animated movie coming up where he plays the voice of Gomez. Oh, yeah. Huh. They look exactly like their old cartoon origins, like the uh, okay. comic strips. The one picture they released of the family looks awesome. Okay, I need to check that out. I love the Adams Family. But I think it's that studio where you say the animation doesn't do it for you. I'm pretty sure it's that uh, it Despicable Me studio, whatever. Oh. I didn't mind the animation in Despicable Me. Despicable Me is one of the winners from that studio for me. I like those. I agree with that. Agreed. But it's a, it's a feeling thing, right? Like you don't watch those movies to feel the same way that you feel when you watch a Pixar movie. <laughs> you know, right? Right. Different. But I'm excited about that because I love the Adams Family. Um. So our Did villain, you like the Adams. Sorry, Adams Family no. or Monsters more. Oh, Adams Family always more because they were darker, and I liked that better. 
I, like, I was a big fan of both as a child. I loved them both. I loved both too. I think I would give the edge to the monsters because I'm a sucker for the fish out of water. And I loved how clueless they were that people were scared of them. <laughs> well, but then you get yeah. into which, which when you're asking that, you're like, which Adam's family are you talking like the original, which, or are you talking like Angelica? Yeah. I, I love those films. But I love the original show too. I did too. Um, yeah. I like both. I wasn't a big fan of the Christina Ricci, Ricci um, movies as much, honestly. Oh, but Hid There Gomez was so good, though. Their Gomez was amazing. Raul Julie, he was so good. Cousin I It like was amazing. Him. I love Cousin I It. Him. I just think he's so weird. <laughs> well, he's a gigantic hairball, so yeah, he is legitimately weird. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so our villain in the movie is Herod, King Herod, um, played by, and I'm going to butcher the name, C.R.N. Hines. He's, um, an Irish American actor. Um, I had no idea he was Aberforth. None. Zero idea. No clue. Was totally surprised by that. Cause there was so much hair on that man's face. I couldn't tell you who that was. But I know I've well, watched that movie multiple times thinking, I wonder who that actor is. And I go to look it up and th- then my brain stops functioning. I don't know. Cause I did not remember it was this guy. Well, I also can't blame you because in fair in complete fairness, like he's in that movie for like three minutes tops. And, and, he's, yeah, a, and he's a good yeah. 60 years older. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And there's a lot of facial hair. There's a lot. <laughs> Those Dumbledores have substantial facial hair. Um, so this, this guy's only, pretty only in their old age, apparently. Yeah, apparently not. Well, I don't know. I'm pretty impressed with Jude Law's beard. It's a beautiful beard. Oh, it short is. crop twenties beard. Yeah, love it. So, also credits to his name, Game of Thrones, which I thought was funny. Um, he's pretty well versed in a lot of classical literature and parts. Um, Hamlet's thrown in there. Um, I also thought it was interesting that through the course of his career up to now, he's played three different biblical characters, um, Caesar, Herod, and Lucifer. (laughs) So he's definitely typecasted when it comes to religious uh, (laughs) productions as the bad guy. Did you guys know that there's only been one bad guy portrayed on film more than Lucifer? Who? Dracula. Dracula had the most iterations followed by Lucifer. Huh. Go for all characters in general, good guys included. Sherlock Holmes outpaces everyone else. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. that makes sense. That makes sense because there's just a ton of this. Yep. Um, he also, and I thought this was funny. He's the voice of the head grandpa troll in Frozen, <laughs> which I didn't realize. That's him. That's oh, him. Awesome. That's very cool. So that is very cool. We need to be in a Frozen movie. Um, we I also have trolls. oh they're so cute so people really hated those trolls i liked them too they're so well designed too i love how they just roll into boulders like into yeah, yeah into the rocks yeah yeah, yeah. and i like the song the song was really catchy i love that song <laughs> i think it's the most underrated song from that film yeah it's a great song never, you never hear people humming that one but i like that one. <laughs> oh, and it's a total earwig too they're also recognizable characters in the movie, but I feel like they're kind of the ones where you're like, man, I've seen that face, but I don't know where. I cannot pronounce her name at all. The woman who plays Elizabeth. Yes. Uh, she is one of my favorite actors. After seeing her in the House of Sand and Fog and in 24, I am just beyond amazed at the, at the ability of that woman. Yeah, she has such a distinct voice too. Oh, it's a it's so beautiful. Shorey Agdashlu, that's butchering it. She's gorgeous too. <laughs> so yeah, she was Elizabeth, um, and I I loved her character in this movie. So let's just get right into it. What are your overall thoughts of of the movie in general? As far as I mean, it's always sticky, right? I know we came up against this when we talked about the star, and I was overly harsh. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that you're taking a text that you're passionate about and it has belief behind it that's a little different than 
the Santa belief that we also hold very dear. So when it comes to adapting that to screen or any other medium and interpreting it in a certain way, it can get dangerous. (laughs) It's funny you bring up the star because when I was watching this, I thought to myself, (laughs) the star didn't do the worst job, like I said during that episode, for being like an introductory stepping stone for a young child. And I thought that again while watching this, I was like, you know, they pretty decent, even if it wasn't to my personal taste. Yeah. I will say I've seen the star since we reviewed it and I was, I would, if I were to review it today, it would be much less harsh. Yeah, me too. I still feel bad when I see it on the list. (laughs) (laughs) Do we want to be positive or negative first? It doesn't matter to me. Whatever you think. In general, not a fan. Really? Mm -mm. And what was it? It was over the top. They added drama that didn't need to be there. The story in of itself is dramatic enough. And I just found it really annoying, that really obnoxious. Like, little things, like when they're trying to cross the river and Mary falls in and starts... Drowning. Drowning. It's Mm -hmm. like, "Mm, I don't see that as happening. I don't think the journey was that dramatic for them. And the stuff that I thought should have been a little more dramatic, like, you know, oh, an angel appearing, was pretty subdued and mild. (laughs) Yeah, they did not make as big of a spectacle as that as... They probably. And what was would. the deal with the flat with the with the bird every time the angel would leave and then there were the or they get done talking to an angel and then a bird would flap and then there are weird places where birds just show I don't know <laughs> I don't know I liked the I liked this film I will totally agree with Tom there were parts that were it was very over dramatic parts of it um, I can understand why they did that for a major motion picture as much as you know to Tom's point they probably didn't need to because the story itself is dramatic, but I get it. It's Hollywood, whatever. Um, I really liked it, but I like um, when they focus more on the miracle positive side of it all. Like I get their journey and I get everything with Herod and everything. I get it was dramatic. I get it wasn't all positive, but I like the little short movies and the Christmas pageants at church and everything that focus on the more positive side. Like that's my, (laughs) that's just my preference. It's just like, I like that beautiful side of it more than the violent side behind it. And uh, so was the end your favorite then? It was. Absolutely. the parts of this movie that were my favorite, the end, like the mystical part, mystical, you yeah. know, in quotes, like when the wise men were looking in the well at the stars shining through and everything like that. Like those are the stuff I liked, like, you know, the um, godly stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I totally get it. You didn't like the random people dead in trees while Mary was heading back from Elizabeth. It was dark, man. I mean, I get what they were trying to do. Um, historically we don't have a reason to believe it was that like people were just killed all the time what about you i'll take take the three-prong approach here (laughs) (laughs) while i definitely have issues and my biggest issue with the movie honestly is mary's character's inconsistent acting there are some scenes where i really like her and some that she reminds me of Kristen stewart from twilight (laughs) So 100%. that bothered me, especially yep. paired up yep, yep, yep. next to, especially paired up next to Joseph, because I love Oscar Isaacs. I think he is a fantastic actor, and he is so expressive that it was an odd pair to me. Um, but I love the beautiful mystical stuff, all that stuff you're supposed to love. But watching it this time, I don't know why, but I caught every reference so so the the people crucified on the way and um all of the foreshadowing that Catherine Hardwicky built into this to the fact that Christ is born but what is his trajectory right i mean where is it all leading it's leading to easter it's leading to the sacrifice and she hit sacrifice hard in this movie that that's his purpose i mean even at the end when when the wise man that has the myrrh He's torn up about the fact that he has myrrh, and he mentions the sacrifice of Christ. And I think, but watching it this time, I couldn't get past all his references. Even when Oscar Isaacs is having the dream where the angel comes to him and says, you know, she really, you know, all of this is true. It's, it's, she's carrying 
you know, God's child. Um, when it, before he gets to that part and he's carrying those sticks over his shoulder and he's fighting his way through the crowd to get to where they're about to stone Mary, mm-hmm. it looks like he's got a cross on his shoulder and he's fighting against these crowds of people yelling. And it was like the imagery of that just like really shook me up. So mm-hmm. I have such an appreciation for this movie in a way that I wasn't expecting to at all because I feel like she, um, it felt very intentional to me that it wasn't just about the birth of Christ. It was also jumping ahead 30 years and saying, this is where we're going with this. And those awful scenes where Herod is killing children (laughs) and where children are being taken away from their parents and all of that is just horrifying. But it also, again, it magnifies the fact that this whole sacrifice theme. So I really liked the darker parts as well. I think they paired very well for me with the lighter parts. I mean, it added more gravitas to the lighter parts for me. But I love this movie. (laughs) I'm going to just zoom in, focus in on something you said about Oscar Isaac. I I really loved his portrayal of Joseph. And I think a lot of it is, you know, he is such a great actor. But so the scene that sticks out in my mind is when they get to Bethlehem and she all of a sudden starts going to labor and his the desperation and panic on his face trying to find a place to lay her down so she can have this baby. It was such a well-acted scene on his part. Like, just, Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Like, you could feel it, right? Like, your heart rate is increasing watching it. Like, Yeah. But, but did you feel like she was about to go into labor? Her labor <laughs> no. was terrible, by the At way. All? Not a good labor. <laughs> Well, and that also brings into like the whole like theological speculation, what how much pain was involved with giving birth to God, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. I didn't know there was speculation that there was not pain involved giving birth to God. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I assumed if he was God in flesh, he would have experienced, you know, that there would be pain in that birth. I don't know. It's interesting. I never thought about that. Um, but her, yeah, her labor wasn't convincing to me. But that kind of goes back into the, yeah, the actress personally, which I will say that Elizabeth's birth was also not realistic to me. A little bit it was, but there were, I don't know, not that I've ever given birth in ancient, you know. While holding a strap, a leather strap. Times while holding a strap, but, you know, <laughs> but everybody's experience is different. <laughs> um. To bring that point up, Elizabeth and Zachariah, so it's at the very beginning of the movie. I really like the way she fleshed these characters out on screen. And again, I think a lot of it has to do with the actress, Elizabeth's actress, because Zachariah goes mute pretty quickly after he he comes on screen. But the way they are coddling baby John the Baptist, there when he's a brand new baby and they're laying on the pallet together and they're like young kids again in love with this new child was magical to me. And I liked how that worked with Mary's, you know, turn of heart and acceptance and all of that stuff. So what are your other qualms, Tom? Because you're easily, hands down, the most (laughs) well-versed in religious text and theology here. So some of my other qualms, Joseph's age for one, these these people who wrote this are, are versed and familiar with the traditions that we have the oral traditions that were passed down about Christ and the extra, at least somewhat, of the of the traditions that exist outside of the Bible, they have that they attributed the right names to Mary's parents, Joachim and Anna. Um, they went with the uh, Hellenized version of the names of the wise men, Melchor, Balthazar, and Gaspar, and they referenced those. Those are all part of church tradition um, as the names of the the three magi. But yet they completely disregarded other traditions, and I don't honestly understand why. I did not like the depiction of Mary. The Christian church has believed since its inception that Mary was devoted to God much more than she was in this film. Like the the stuff we have written and things like the uh, Proto-Evangelion of St. James, which is an early 2nd century document um, of the life of Mary. Um, She would not have been concerning herself with flirting and boys the way she was and that kind of bothered me the the age of joseph again and even in this they only showed them being betrothed mm-hmm. uh, but then they reference them being married which um also bothered me mm-hmm. 
I don't I don't understand how they picked and show like how the the from a from a creative perspective I don't know how they picked and chose what traditions they wanted to to follow and acknowledge and which ones they wanted to disregard. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I have a little bit of insight into that, and that's because um, traditions they they did acknowledge are you know the more quote unquote well known ones, right? You know he, they wouldn't have had to do a lot of research for those. So this movie was rushed into production in two thousand and six. Because the studio, when they agreed to finance the film, realized that several other studios had nativity scripts under review, and they wanted to rush theirs into production um, and eliminate the competition by getting it out there first, which they did. So I feel a lot of that could have been fixed upon if they had done another pass or two at the script, but they just didn't have the time because, as so happens in Hollywood, the studio uh, has a short... (laughs) <laughs> they want things out on a short timeline, sadly, yeah. at the expense of quality and accuracy. The whole traditional retelling of the story, like the wise men being there at the birth, which in the text, they're not there at the birth. They're not. Um, but which, again, if you if you try and, if we're waiting for time to elapse, what is it, two or three years into the future, and then they show up, I could see how producers would be like, this breaks up the the flow. We want the nice ending with the beautiful set and the baby. And so I, I understand that. Yeah. Um, and then so many, yeah, like your, your historically inaccurate nativities, which, by the way, I have used twice this Christmas season as I have driven through my neighborhood. So it's fun to bring that back out again as all these nativities are popping up in my front yards. I'm like, that's historically inaccurate. That's historically inaccurate. <laughs> I don't know who's it. I don't know what Jesus you're worshiping. So it's good to come back to that. There's another marker of the Christmas season is here. <laughs> See, I didn't mind the historical inaccuracy. I Yeah, so I can't say I might. I get why they did it. And, and it and did I, make for and, a beautiful end scene. And from a studio's point of view, right? Where, yeah. you know, a lot of people who are familiar with the story and celebrate Christmas aren't necessarily the biggest churchgoers or the most well-versed, whatever. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. The, I get why it annoys Tom and a lot of people very into the faith <laughs> for not being accurate. But if a mainstream studio is going to put out a film, they want to appeal to the most people to make money. I totally, I, I completely understand their point of view. Well, go, go with the historical inaccuracies people are familiar with that are in their homes or on their lawns every year. I so I, I get that point of view to play devil's advocate for a second. Oh, I have historically inaccurate nativity scene in my son's room right now. <laughs> he loves to play with it. <laughs> I, I took the the wooden stable out of away from Nelly, Ellie's uh, nativity sets. <laughs> <laughs> is it um, okay if the one that I have in his room is like painted hot pink and turquoise? There's a little bit of yellow and red in it. <laughs> well, I have bigger issues I have to worry about this year than those. <laughs> Ellie keeps walking around with the baby Jesus and saying "rar" and telling everybody he's a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some bigger the- problem with this. I've got some bigger theological issues I need to address at home <laughs> this year. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to the color of the the the. Setting for the nativity next year, <laughs> and, but like for me personally, the historical inaccuracy. Yeah, I know it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that doesn't stop me from getting the feels whenever I see a really beautiful, well done, historically inaccurate nativity somewhere, or like know, the pageants at church. Which I love the children's mass when they do the pageant because it's always so funny. But. <laughs> Like that always used to be my favorite part going to the family mass early on Christmas Eve was the children's pageant. Did you do yeah. those? Were you in the pageants? Oh yeah, I was. What were you usually? So were you a shepherd? I was a, I was a shepherd most years. I I was one of the wise men one year, and one year. And then I when did you get, turned about seven and your beard grew in, what did they let you be then? I was <laughs> Joseph one year. Oh <gasps> yay! But, but still, wow. but still very young enough. So when you're walking with Mary, like there's still like ten feet like between you because you're yeah. awkward. Yeah, at that awkward. I age didn't touch a girl. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally a wise man every year, and we really? had these garish <laughs> costumes that were just oh, 
Awful, awful, awful. <laughs> you have to find pictures. I'll, I'll see if my mom has some that she can send me. I actually, I had a follow-up question for you, Tom. So yes, it was. Uh, which <laughs> Wiseman do you all the time? Um, I one every year. Um, so I, we didn't know like ascribe names. It was just, you get this one, you get this one, you get this one. But I know for two years I had the purple cape. I was about to say, were you purple, red, or, and then the third color is always a toss up. But I did not look, I did not look like I was from the Orient from, from the East. (laughs) (laughs) Orient being Persia at the time, but you know, we did not look Persian. So to talk about that for a second, I liked, so while the angel interactions were pretty understated, right? Um, the effect was nice, but I, I would have liked maybe a little more effect. Um, my favorite one was when, well, he kind of had like a visual distortion around his exterior is the best way I can say it. Yeah. It felt like a pre Edward sparkle. <laughs> honestly when i saw it i'm like that looks a little bit like that so so the stuff with the angel i would have gone a little i see i would have gone a little more hollywood well yeah no i would have liked more effect yeah i yeah, do like you know the glowing or whatever you know i would have yeah. gone a little more again mystical right yeah yeah because honestly if it were me and i were joseph and i had that vision i'm not sure that would have done it for me I don't. I wouldn't have viewed it as the most intense dream fever dream I've had. No, Angel, you're gonna have to be. You're gonna have to work a little harder to convince me here, bro. Well, you think angels have to walk a fine line between convincing somebody and scaring the holy crap out of them, and them completely going the other direction? See, that's the other thing. Like, <laughs> I mean, just from looking at the text of of both the the scriptures and the stories that we're used to of the birth of Christ, and um, even the the script here, they both say, "Do not," you know. Fear not, or do not be afraid. Mm-hmm. Wasn't anything scary there with that guy? Yeah, yeah, no. I kind of don't think that was needed. <laughs> well, that's why I would have gone Hollywood, right? You know, with the glowing yeah. and you know. Oh, I'll give you something you know, to be afraid of. You know that some of the drawings you see, like in the darkness, and it's just a glowing beam with the angel in it and stuff. I would have yeah. gone full on Hollywood. So, Prince of Egypt, the way they did the burning bush, is how I would like to see angels. Prince of Egypt was an awesome movie. That is a great movie. It's flawless. It's so good. We should do that at Easter as a bonus. We should. We should do that. Be a lot of singing in that episode. Do we want to look at it critically? (laughs) I watched it this year and I'm okay with it critically. Yeah, exactly. I've watched it since we've started and I'm like, yep, this passes muster. (laughs) Um, Let's do it. In my mind's eye, when I picture angels, they're always Tolkien elves. Always. (laughs) Constantly. It's like Galadriel. Whenever I think of an angel in my head, I think of Kate Blanchett. And I blame Hollywood for that as well. This is not the first time that you have, uh, on this show, mentioned Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings in comparison to the Bible. Yeah. Well, it's not hard to draw this comparison. So I'm sitting, gonna say, Tom, sorry. I was going to say, I was sitting here thinking about Anthony's justification to the dumbing down of the tradition here in this movie and um, my need to make Christmas great again. So you're, 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 and I'm not, I'm not at all arguing. I'm, I'm positing another perspective on uh, why I don't think that passes the, gives, gives Foster. them a pass, mm-hmm. gives them a pass on why they did things so poorly. Even their dialogue of Gabriel with Mary, they did not go with the most accepted, most well-known version of his of the angelic salutation. Right? They were they were intent. I mean, you could tell it was an evangelical movie because they did not say "Hail Mary, full of grace," nor did they attribute her grace. They said she was highly favored. Um, That's what my New Living Translation says. <laughs> Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. That I don't know. That doesn't that doesn't seem inaccurate for a Hollywood movie. Right, to disregard the historical text and go with the most recent no, no, I'm saying, version. Yeah, so I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, yeah, I mean, it does. It yeah. seems like what they would do. <laughs> I mean, for better or worse. What translation bad. of the Bible do you read, Anthony? I, don't, I couldn't tell you. I read whatever pops up on my screen. Really? <laughs> In this instance, it's New Living. <laughs> New yep. Living is terrible. I love it. It's awful Bible. translation. Bible talks to me like, like a guy on the street would talk to me. 
I read one of, I read one of the King James ones. Different strokes for different folks. That's why there's so many versions of them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's so many versions of them because people want to make money. Yeah. That too. <laughs> oh, don't even get me started on translations. I'm pretty I'm a translation snob. <laughs> I'm sure that comes as a huge shocker to both of you. <laughs> you... Tom has an opinion about something. <laughs> to, to, oh, Tom's gonna be pedantic again. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> like 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 Peter Griffin. Hmm, I found it shallow and It's so funny that you use pedantic because that is my favorite go-to insult for anything. <laughs> I found it shallow and pedantic. <laughs> no, I, I mean I respect what they were trying to do with the movie, um, and and. As you guys said with the miracles, um, I wish the miracles would have been a little stronger. For example, like, and I go back to it. I know it's something stupid to get hung up on. It was like at literally at less than a minute scene or whatever, two minute scene, whenever Mary fell in the water mm-hmm. as of the snake approaching them. I can't help but think that if God got them to this point, he would have protected them from a snake. Uh, I agree. In the water. Snake in the water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick also, of the mother bleeping snakes and I was gonna say water. I, <laughs> and I know this was before but I cannot watch anything with a snake and not hear Samuel L <laughs> and there, um, I don't want I don't want to think about Samuel L Jackson when I'm watching a story about Jesus I don't <laughs> I see does, I, does I, great, I love hearing him him quote a lot the from the book of Elijah uh, <laughs> see I would have loved had uh when Neville killed the snake in the in the last Harry Potter movie, how he just shouted that I'm sick of these mother effing snakes, mother effing school. <laughs> one positive I will give this one: I love the music mm-hmm. from that opening Okamo yes. Kami Manuel to the very end when mm-hmm. they were doing um, Silent Night. Mm-hmm. Um, it was and amazing. They had the they had the dramatic Carol the Bells too at one. They did. Which I really liked. The visuals of this movie were very, very appealing. Mm-hmm. It was the costumes, the the scene when they when they approach Jerusalem and you're you're seeing sorry, Jerusalem when you see the the city mm-hmm. for the first time, not the first time we saw it, but when um, Mary and Joseph see it, you're just like, <gasps> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was it was yeah, pretty. I, I thought it was beautiful. Breathtaking and seeing the scenes of. Uh, also, going back to what you were saying with the foreshadowing when they were uh, bemoaning the commercial aspects of the, the temple. Somebody should throw a table right now. Let's let's kick it over. Yeah. Let's, let's really be foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> Ellie did almost see them slaughter the, the cow. I'm glad they cut from that. Because, like, Ellie, Ellie, look at me, look at me. No, 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 no. Because she had come in the room while they were, uh, you know, when the oh, yeah. put his head there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it was cool to see the to see the incense burning when uh, Zachariah was struck dumb. That was just a very appealing and beautiful scene too. Mm-hmm. I did like everything with Zachariah and Elizabeth. I liked everything with the Wiseman. God, their co- their costumes were beautiful, <laughs> and I, I I liked the. How did humanity go from that to a T-shirt? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a failure. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought they were, uh, the three of them had very good chemistry together. Like, they were very well cast. They did, and they added a little element of humor in there, which we I think we needed. Yes. Yeah, I liked that. He made a how, few jokes, which I appreciated. How many days have we been walking? 104. And how many days have we complained about starting this journey? 105. <laughs> I was counting tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, you I was just gonna say on their journey, all the visuals at the star at night. Mm-hmm. I liked. I thought they were all very beautiful. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of star, can I go on a tangent real quick? Yeah. Julie, have I told you about the star from afar yet? No. Have you seen it? It is so cool. It's like Elf on a Shelf. Only yeah. the kids you're doing it, and like uh, each. So you set up the nativity, and yeah. you put the wise men somewhere far away. Yeah. Each night you hide the star, and in the morning the kids find the star, and you move the wise men to wherever the star is, and they're so oh, cool. and they're progressively making their way to Christmas morning when they meet, you know, when Jesus is born. Oh, that's okay, awesome. that's cool. I love that. We started it, and I, on the first, you started on on December first, and uh-huh. Ellie gets up. She goes, "I find star. I find star." Like every oh. morning, she goes, 
so excited to find the star. I love that. It yeah, I love that. Really idea. cool. I really cool recommend idea. it if you're looking for something fun to do with Jude. Yeah. Yeah, I want to really retire elf. I just like mm-hmm. I just like it being there's no like no mischief or sinister aspect yeah. to it. It's and it's focused on the nativity of Jesus. Yeah. No, I love that. That's and a great thing. If there's no impish aspect, when will why will Belschnickel still come and visit? <laughs> I was talking to somebody today who's going to a Krampus Santa party, and uh, I convinced her to go as Belschnickel. <laughs> Definitely. That's so she's awesome. Gonna, she's just going to take her whip and go around and hit everybody who's not dressed as Santa and say impish. <laughs> um, well, speaking of favorite quotes since you just had one. Um, it's another wise man quote. It's really the only one I wrote down. <laughs> but I liked it when the one wise man was worried about what he was going to eat on the journey. <laughs> and I liked how he's like, what about all the food I'm accustomed to? And the other guy goes, very accustomed to. <laughs> and he's like, yes, my dates, my spices, <laughs> my nuts, <laughs> all of these things. I just love that he's like, I know what I'm about, son. <laughs> What's that the food? Oh, I did love their, their chemistry was was my I don't know. That's that's my big takeaway from this movie was their chemistry in that last scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, the last scene where she's the one where she's giving birth, right? Yep. Yeah. And the light and the star the starlight progressively comes in, like you can tell the star is settling over this manger. Mm-hmm. And like when the shepherds come in and yeah, that whole last part. That scene where the shepherds come was really cool because there was like this mystical, magical thing. And I love, like, I felt like the question was answered. Yes, Mary knew. She knew they were going to come worship her child. Mm-hmm. They're just like, okay with it. Like these guys are just walking in. They're like, wow. Which also, I, uh, you you know, I, one of the aspects of the nativity story I've always loved in Luke's gospel is the shepherds. Um the idea that these, the lowliest of the low, it was that, that they kept reiterating that he was a Messiah for all, which was cool. All mankind. Which was cool the way they reiterated that, but also visually showed it with the, the shepherds looked mar- like markedly different from everybody else. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that was why and it was a really good choice. Yeah. So I do have one quote written down and it was um, just kind of a, a little bit of dry humor on Joseph's part. And it's when they're leaving the village to start out on their journey and all the townspeople are just kind of glaring at them, <laughs> looking at them as they're leaving. And he just remarks to Mary, they're going to miss us. <laughs> um, what did you, we haven't really talked about him yet, but I really thought uh, Saren Hines was very good in his role. Okay. I mean, he was, yep. He was, I mean, he was as uh I mean, he didn't get much to do other than be evil, right? Evil. Yeah. Yeah, he was kind of the... The chin. stroke the stroke the yeah, uh, beard. Yep. Beard. Evil. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he, he's an intimidating-looking guy without all the Dumbledore facial hair. Yeah. Yeah, when you know who he actually is, he is indeed intimidating. <laughs> Even yep. with kind of a jerry curl going on. I mean, he had some <laughs> serious curling going on <laughs> in his beard. I love it. Um, Hair is Jerry Curl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a scary guy. He worked for me as the villain. Um, I don't think it's his strongest acting. Um, he see, he came off a little cartoonish, just on certain parts to me. Um, but I mean that. How much of that was the writing versus the acting? Oh, absolutely. Like, I think he's like, definitely yeah. capable of more. Well, like, for example, Mary was, I feel, the acting, whereas him, right. I felt, it was more the writing. Right. I, I know you, I'm going to go back to the speaking, Mary. You said it earlier, and it's just struck me. She is like Kristen Stewart. One hundred. The more I think about, about that and, and reflect on the movie, the more I agree with you that that is the best description I could have had for her acting job. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was the great disappointment to me. Um, she had moments you know, where I really connected with her. Like when she, she really started to warm to Joseph and tiny little moments between the two of them, but she's just so overshadowed by how good he was. Like that the, moment. Yeah. The that foot moment washing. I, that one. Oh, yeah, I love that one. But the moment I really liked was when she's, Joseph thinks she's sleeping, but really she's watching him with the donkey. Like, yeah. 
like feeding the donkey, like I'm the one who's hungry, but you're the one who's eating or whatever he says. And mm-hmm. just being really playful with it and the way she smiles watching that interaction. I just thought that was a very nice scene because it showed, yeah. you know, what a good guy Joseph was, right? Well, this yeah. Joseph was a lot nicer to Bo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad at how harsh I was on that movie. I, on that I'll, movie, I'm like, historical inaccuracies. I'm going to give the sucker a 2.5. And this one, I'm like, I don't care about the historical inaccuracies. What historical inaccuracies? All I can, seriously, that movie was made an impression. Every time I saw the donkey, I'm like, oh, there's Bo. <laughs> <laughs> You're just waiting for him to open his mouth and hear Glenn speak, right? Yes. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, and I, I said at the beginning of the episode, but watching this, the star. I mean, the star did the story. Like, they did this movie just from the animal's point of view. Again, I think I feel in retrospect. I mean, I said during the episode, but I'm going to reiterate, it's a good stepping stone into the story for younger kids. It's a great conversation starter for the littles. Yep, yeah. Exactly. Um, just out of okay, curiosity, so are either of you guys fans of Passion of the Christ? I never saw it. I like. I saw it once. It's intense. Yeah. I, like, I don't go out of my way to watch it. Like I, I've never sat down to watch it again after that first initial viewing. I mean, I thought it was a very well-made movie. I can't say I liked it. It was, I felt emotionally yeah. drained afterward. <laughs> I remember there being so much buzz in the church when it came out, like to a point where if you hadn't seen it, people were like, why haven't you seen it? <laughs> yeah. I think at that point I'm like, I'm not going to see it. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Thanks. Because I, I was a teenager, probably. Did you like that one, Tom? Mm-mm. No. Was it too Hollywood also? or? Um, I didn't like the fact that you sit there for two and a half hours watching Jesus get tortured. And there's like a 20 yeah. second clip of him in an empty to- of an empty tomb. Yeah. yeah see, it, was, I- uh, lost, it was, it was, it appeared to me to be, I mean, it really just seemed sadistic. The, um, That's what I was afraid of. Did you know this movie was the first movie to ever premiere at the Vatican? No. To have I its saw premiere that at the Vatican, which I found an entirely different red carpet. What did Benny? <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any insight into what Benny thought when he watched it? No, I mean I'm sure you could probably find it somewhere online. I didn't. Oh, I'm gonna Google and see what Pope Benedict thought. So, guys, I have a question for you guys. Yeah, it's a hard one. That's what she said. Mm, should not have a reference that in this movie, but. <laughs> <laughs> Did, uh, I love the immediate dismay when you realized what episode we were recording. You're like, oh, crap. <laughs> Probably not the best time to do that. <laughs> Does this movie pass the line? <laughs> no. Pretty strong. Yes. Yes. How so? Besides Joseph coming around. Wait, wait, wait. Are you serious right now? You don't think it does? I can't tell if you're being joking with us or not. Who who has changed? Who realizes something new? Well, so I think the Linus moment's a little different in movies of this nature than it is in other movies. So this one, that's what Christmas is all about, is like literally that's what Christmas is all about. I mean, Linus reads the scripture on the stage. Right. And that's what Christmas is all about. So I think by default, it has to... (laughs) It has to pass the Linus test. But the way we've discussed the Linus moment is some point at which a character is changed by the meaning of Christmas. But see, then maybe we have been discussing it wrong. Maybe so. But then then every movie that is technically not about the birth of Jesus is not going to pass the Linus test. Has failed the Linus test, yeah. I get it, yeah. Yeah, so I think if we're going to say that's what the Linus test is, we have a moving goalpost at this point, right? Because it feels horrible to have a movie that's about the birth of Christ and say it does not pass the Linus test. I'm just going to stick with it passes. I think there's change of heart in Mary and Joseph. Um, I think if her acting was better, you would have seen more growth from Mary at the beginning. Whether, again, historically inaccurate, there shouldn't have been a whole lot of growth because she should have been this awesome woman of God and end up as an awesome woman of God. But um, all that to say, you kind of see her age through the movie yeah. and responsibility and all that stuff. I'm going to stick with that. I, I have to go with based on what we said for a, what defines the Linus moment. I'm going to have to stick with no. Well, we'll see. Now, now you have me confused about the Linus moment in general, Linus test in general. 
Because I know, I know how we've been discussing it, right? That's right I, yeah. know, I know, you know, we've been discussing it. A change has to occur, right? Right. But you know, when we look but, up but, what is the Linus test that Tis the Podcast is the first entry? <gasps> really? Yeah. What is the Linus test? Tis the Podcast Reddit. I nice. put up, I put the Linus test in the searches. That's awesome. We've also okay, but, call it the Scrooge test. And that one also implies growth. <clears throat> so I, I feel yeah. like the Scrooge test and the Grinch test, which we also said we could call it. Mm-hmm. I feel because like, Li- Linus could pop up in any, I don't know, because, okay. So you take like Whoville, right? Just as an example, Whoville <laughs> from the animated series, from the animated one where they get the true meaning of Christmas. They don't need the change, like the live-action movie, right? So you take Whoville in that special. Without the Grinch, their celebration at the end is still what Christmas is all about, if no one changed. But if we go back, and listen, that, if we go back and listen to that episode, the whole reason we said that passed the Linus test was because of the Grinch. Well, I, I know why we said it, but that's why I'm saying maybe we've been discussing it wrong. Because the, that Whoville passes without the Grinch. The Grinch doesn't need a change for Whoville to that moment to still pass the test. It's just already passed before the test has even been given out. Well, no, it's not. It's just the Linus could pop up in that when they're singing yeah. around no, the tree no, and that, say, yeah. this is what because Christmas the who, is all about. But, yeah. wasn't, but wasn't the whole point of Linus that everybody had Christmas wrong and then he reads this and everybody's like, oh, it's like a shift in perspective? Yeah, that is what it is. Because up until the point where he gets on the stage, they're consumed with the commercial aspect of it, of getting the perfect tree, right. and making sure the dances are right, making sure people are cast right in the play. When Linus is like, it's not about all that stuff. <laughs> this is a really... This is such a cool conversation I did not expect to be having a year and a half in. But it's really, the podcast is having an existential crisis. No, so, it's a really good conversation to have. It's really cool. I'm, I'm four months ago on our subreddit, a thin white duke, it had come up where um, somebody had asked, what is the Linus test? And a thin white duke who is a faithful listener mentioned, it comes from a listener's idea that the ultimate Christmas moment is when Linus realizes the true meaning of the season in a Charlie Brown Christmas. So he goes on to say, he connects it to the story of the nativity, but I think that it's a part of a Christmas story film episode where the character understands that the true positive feelings, meaning, and purpose of Christmas, or life in general, um, often changing their negative attitude or ideas to something positive, joyous, or hopeful. So that he mentions, think about the Grinch's heart growing or Kevin McAllister realizing he misses his mom and doesn't want to be left alone. For a year. For a year. Until he hates them all again <laughs> in a new city. <laughs> oh, it's tricky. But do you see where Certain I'm areas. coming from? I totally see what you're saying. I think the who's in the book. So that's, we, we read The Grinch as part of our Advent activity last night. And the who's in the book know what it's all about from the beginning. Right. Like they have all the things and all that stuff, but like they never have a moment where they get usurped by it like they do in Jim Carrey. Right, where they're obsessed with it, and then they're also brought back to it. So, I mean, yeah, the who's in the book pass immediately. They already know what it's all about. They are Linus. Linus never got wrapped up in the other stuff. Well, like the three of us, we know what it's all about, right? We pass it. We don't need to change for us to pass the test and realize what right. Christmas is about. I don't pass the Linus test. <laughs> I think our constant, I think our constant trolling of each other, Anthony, negates any Linus moment we could possibly ever have on this podcast. <laughs> or, yeah, we need we need Julie to step up and say, "This is what Christmas is all about, guys. Get along." <laughs> well, I don't know that we're going to come to a hard resolution on this, but we. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'd like to hear more from what our listeners think about their interpretations of what their Linus moments are. Um, since we have already some interaction on our subreddit, you can join us there, r slash um, podcast on Reddit. Um, but you're more than welcome to do it on our other social medias as well. Um, Facebook is Tis the Podcast, so is Instagram. And then if you're a Twitter user, go ahead and chime in on this um, at Tis the Pod and hashtag uh, Tis the Podcast or Linus Moment. And we'll get a conversation going about this because we've definitely got some movies coming up here before Christmas that I think we're going to look back on the same question, maybe in a different light. Um, But what I want to know now, given our feedback, 
I want to know where this ranks because honestly, I don't know. I can usually guess some weeks. I can't really guess on this one. Um, I'm going to go with a 9.5. Wow. I really like this movie. I'm going to give it a 5.1. Point 0.1 above average because of the story it tells. I'm going to go with a 5.9, which gives us an average of 6.83, which puts it number 16 on our list in between the Christmas Chronicles and Rise of the Guardian. We are hitting that 15, 16 area pretty hard the past week or so, aren't we? We are. That was tough, wasn't it, Anthony? That was tough. Oh, my God. I heard the strain in your voice. I can't, I can't, I can't, oh my God, gosh. I, uh, For this get, one episode, you pull back on using God and <laughs> that cracks me up. Gosh, excuse me. I, uh, I, <laughs> hey, I have to, I have to. <laughs> talking about serious biblical issues here. <laughs> So I left you guys with a question last week. Where in the real world, not any fantasy or fiction or story-based location, would you most want to spend Christmas? Um, yeah, so I would love to experience um, a German Christmas, like right around where all of the Christmas markets are. They're in the heart of Germany where there's definitely going to be snow and like rent, I don't know, something over there for a little while and that would be really cool to me because the foods and the atmosphere, I would do that in a heartbeat. And Krampus. Um, yeah, and Krampus, exactly. <laughs> uh, for me, it would be Iceland because Iceland is somewhere I've always wanted to visit in general. And I just, I would love to be celebrate Christmas somewhere where you can see the Northern Lights outside behind your Christmas tree. Yeah, if you Google images of Iceland at Christmas, although outdoor, again, markets and villages and stuff, it looks stunning and beautiful and even though it looks so cold with the snow it looks so warm and cozy and yeah definitely iceland what about you tom sweden sweden (laughs) sweden i got the sweden or norway i got the snow the evergreen trees everywhere reindeer live there tom tees tom tees i'm just set i want a scandinavian christmas so guys should we book our plane tickets to europe since we're all going to different places in europe for christmas apparently oh man i wish <laughs> i don't think any of our families would like us very much if we all just left the continent for christmas we should we we could go in december and do a live show we're gonna need a lot awesome. more we're gonna need a lot more patreons if we're gonna afford that one <laughs> <laughs> so i kind of have a question just to talk about yeah. now not like give it a week to breathe and you're the one prompting me to ask this one julia just because you seem to be doing something really cool for advent this year with your family and kids mm-hmm. you want to talk about that a bit and then tom you can talk about what you've been doing yeah yeah so we previous years i've been about as devoted to doing family advent activities as i am to sending out christmas cards if that gives you any idea not devoted so my kids usually get like the lego or the sum sum advent calendars where they just open up a thing and they get something every day But I have a lot of really awesome friends uh, who do really cool, simple Advent activities throughout the month of December that's just family stuff together, which sounds super simple, right? But I get to a point where I get so busy and I neglect things. So I'm not doing that this year. This year, we are doing a family-type activity every night. Um, So, so far, we've done make snowflakes one night we the very first night we went looking at christmas lights in our neighborhood and we got hot chocolate and that turned into a spelling bee (laughs) while we were looking at christmas lights because my seven-year-old is an awesome speller so we were shouting words at his face trying to get him to spell them and he could do like a lot of them so (laughs) and then tonight we did a christmas movie so we watched christmas chronicles and um, we read the grinch last night um so i'm i'm enjoying Every second of it. And I'm really regretting not doing it earlier when my older kids were younger because I think they really would have enjoyed it. So that's awesome. That is so cool, Julia. What do y'all do? We are, uh, we started the, sorry, you guys know my my feelings about the elf on the shelf. Yes. Not a fan. So we got Star from afar. Um, So Mm. every morning now Ellie gets up and she says, I find Star, I find Star. And uh, this morning she woke up and I had to rush and hide it because I did not get it hidden last night. And then, and then we have an advent calendar. 
um, and she doesn't get sugar usually. So we have a little piece of candy and some of the little drawers that she pulls out and a peg people nativity set. So she's getting different parts of the nativity set as she's going along or a piece of candy or something that she's really excited about, about opening doors. That's awesome. I really like that. That sounds yeah. cool. I, ju- I just Googled star from afar. That looks awesome. I did too. <laughs> it is really, really cool. Um, I don't know where Christine heard about it, but um, it has quickly become one of my favorite traditions we do in our house. Very like It's simple, it's easy, it's engaging, and it teaches a good story. Mm-hmm. Or nay, it teaches the greatest story ever told. Well, speaking of Harry Potter, this year um, the Funko Pop Company released a Funko Pop Harry Potter advent calendar. So each of the 24 days you get a little minifigure. I've been having to resist not just opening them all at once <laughs> because they're so cute. Yeah, we're actually 14 minutes away from midnight on the East Coast, so door number five is getting open soon. But, <laughs> but uh, I've been doing that. And so far, you know, we got little Harry and Luna. Oh, with my her. gosh. They're yep, adorable. and Luna came in day three with her Spectre Specs. and She's so cute. <laughs> Those are like uh, legit Funkos. They're not like some cheap. They're, they're small, but they're legit. Yeah. yeah. Yep, and a Destral and Neville. So uh, I'm excited to see who number five is. So do that in a bit. Um, besides that, we have our normal sugary advent calendar. We have this nice, really wooden, this nice wooden one with the doors that open. And it's um, a non-historical nativity <laughs> scene. It's, it's the manger with, uh, you know, the traditional scene you see a lot of places, uh, accurate or not. But I don't know who you're I, worshiping. So you've got a 14, you got a, you're worshiping the 14th century European baby Jesus. <laughs> That's exactly who I'm worshiping. And you know what? That's what it said <laughs> on the box when he bought it. Real life, 14th century European baby Jesus. It's a reminder of Talladega Nights. Yeah. <laughs> you're sweet baby. I like to pray to the baby Jesus. <laughs> but it's a beautiful wooden calendar, like painted and everything, and I love it. So How cool is that? Yeah, so uh, the doors aren't in order on it though, so it's always like <laughs> takes a minute to find the door early in the morning when I'm trying to grab candy on my way out the door for my little uh, <laughs> afternoon snack at work. <laughs> Give me my candy. <laughs> Speaking of work, nice setup. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I decked the halls of my cubicle at work and uh, with lights and bunch of christmas stuff so you can find that on our social medias because i posted a little video got creative and added some music too uh <laughs> the most i'm the most decorated cube at work so i'm hoping it stays that way this thursday yeah it is shocking <laughs> this thursday is our holiday party christmas party at uh after work and then uh next week's our ugly sweater party at work so fun Yep, but at this point, I'm just counting down the days till Christmas vacation. We have been working on giving you guys more content on Patreon. Recently, we did the Friends Thanksgiving. We're working out the dates for our last Patreon of the year episode, which is going to be us discussing Christmas commercials. Um, So that's available for all of our Patreons who donate at least a dollar a month to us. If you want additional free content, last Sunday we dropped our discussion of the Christmas Chronicles starring Kurt Russell on Netflix. We had a lot of fun with this episode, guys. If you haven't heard it yet, uh, go to your podcast, your favorite podcast streaming provider and check out that episode. It's, it's well worth it. Speaking of Netflix, have you guys watched Christmas Prince 2 yet? Not yet. No. Have you? How is it? Of course. I think it out Hallmark's Hallmark. Oh. Really? It really does. Like in a good was, way or a bad way? I'll let you watch and decide. Is that I don't, what you're going to say? I don't know. I like it, but I'm not sure I should. <laughs> <laughs> actually liked it a lot, but I'm not sure I'm supposed to. You liked the first one too, though, didn't you? I did. Okay. It's, it's like a Hallmark movie, right? You, you yeah. don't know if you're actually supposed to like them? Yeah. That's exactly I mean, there There have been a lot of like... <laughs> dramatic Hallmark Christmas movies this year. Really? Like, really? I like the I like the, you know, cheesy, you know, has a sense of humor ones, but like the dramatic ones, I'm like, oh man. I did not know this branch of Hallmark existed. I thought this is for a lifetime. 
But but speaking of Netflix as well, I know a few listeners um, on our social medias talked about um, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and Netflix is dropping a standalone Christmas special for that show. Um, Netflix is dropping a standalone Christmas special of the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina uh, later this week, by the end of the week. So if you're a fan of that show, you should check it out. I'm excited for it. What I'm also excited for is next week's movie that we're covering, 1985's cult classic, Santa Claus the Movie, which has a lot, I have a lot of nostalgia for that one. And I'm excited to see what Tom thinks, because I know he's never seen it. Not loving the elves so far. Not loving the elves so far. Just throwing it out there. (laughs) All right. And the week after that, dropping on Christmas Eve, we're that close already, just in time for the 24-hour marathon on television. It's almost as if we took that into account on scheduling it. We will be covering uh, 1983's Beloved A Christmas Story, which is an American staple. So, I'm really excited to watch that. <clears throat> again, because I hate it, but I'm really interested if I sit and watch it, if that's going to change this year. I can't believe I'm about to say this because it doesn't seem right or accurate, but we guarantee you it is because we're all math geniuses and know these numbers are, too, are true. We are only 384 hours away from Christmas. Which is only 16 days. Two weeks, guys. Two weeks. Oh, so that's much insane. to do. So much to do. So little time. Going too fast. In two weeks, we're going to be only 365 days until Christmas. Oh, yeah. Let's not even think about that. <laughs> I'm not ready. I'm not Our, ready to go down that, to go down that yeah. rabbit hole yet. I'm not either. But hey, last year, remember, we did not stay in the post-Christmas funk for very long because we got to get together each week and talk about Christmas movies. So keep that in mind, listeners. If you're bummed already about post-Christmas <laughs> Don't be, because we found the best cure for post-Christmas blues is just more Christmas. And we're in the process of doing our, building our schedule out for next year. So if you have any suggestions, or you can't promise we're going to get to them or schedule them, but we're always open for ideas. So send them over. More than a few of you already have, which we appreciate. Yeah. Some, some of them are going to make the schedule for sure, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys. Get your movie viewing in for next week and get all that shopping done, too, while you're at it. <laughs> we'll talk to you then. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs>